coming up. Now, that's what I call a government meltdown. As we trudge towards the end of days, we're here with seasonal cheer. We are all doomed, though. Hello, Paul Osborne here. Thank you for downloading the latest podcast. A brief housekeeping note to begin with. Despite our best endeavours, events are now moving at a speed that means that podcasts risk becoming out of date rather quickly. As of this recording, Theresa May is still the Prime Minister. The sky has not fallen in and the four horsemen of the apocalypse have not been sighted near the White Cliffs of Dover. Though by the time you hear this... All of that may have changed. So while I hope the next half hour or so is in some small measure enlightening and in some smaller measure maybe even entertaining, I apologise for all the bits that are out of date. On Twitter, at Party Games Pod, and indeed at Paul Osborne, I'll be tweeting much more in the coming days than this podcast can accommodate. That is perhaps one way of trying to find your way through the mess. So there we were, geared up for the moment of truth, the big Brexit vote, the inevitable defeat and the chaos that would follow. Then facing that inevitable defeat, brave Theresa May ran away. She is promising to run all the way to Brussels, where she will either demand changes or, depending on who you believe, beg for them. And then what? We don't know what she's asking for. We don't know when she plans to bring her revised plan back to the Commons for a vote. I suspect she doesn't know either, to be honest with you. Meanwhile, the clock continues to tick towards catastrophe. So let's try to work through this whole fiasco now with Robert Meakin. Robert, less than a week ago, Theresa May's government lost three votes in just over an hour, which hasn't happened for 40 years, and was found in contempt of Parliament. And yet it is a measure of how much trouble we are in that events like that are mere footnotes in history. All through last week, all through the weekend, all through Monday morning, we kept being told the vote was definitely going ahead. There was no question of the vote being abandoned. And then at lunchtime, the vote's off. And not only is the vote off, but after Theresa May's appearance in the Commons to announce that, there really is no indication of when this vote will ever happen, which raises a perfectly logical question. Why, after this, would anyone believe anything Theresa May ever said in the future? Yes, we had senior cabinet ministers assuring us on the airwaves that, of course, this vote was still going ahead come what may. Inevitably shows a a prime minister in 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 a desperate state. It shows a prime minister essentially trying to buy time for a deal that she believes, I think, in her heart can't really be improved all that much, but she will go through the most. She will go back to Brussels and try to gain, in theory, some sort of concession, possibly even her attempt to stagger in, you know, stagger past Christmas and somehow, as we've suggested before, break down Parliament by, by early next year with the suggestion, well, this is the only deal we've got unless we want a no deal and we're going to implode. I think if you're going to say there's any strategy amid this panic and chaos right now, That is very, very roughly it. And it's not much of a strategy. So when Theresa May said, this deal can't be improved upon, this deal can't be renegotiated, this is the best deal that you are going to get... What, that was a lie, was it? That was just a lie? Yeah, I think this is all, essentially, this is all, as I say, just trying to prop up herself and the administration to try and get this deal or a version of the deal very close to the current deal through. I think it's as basic as that. So when she actually says that's the best deal we can get, you could argue it is true because she's going to go back. I think this is all a load of nonsense, the idea of going back to Brussels now to somehow get more concessions out of the the EU. I I really do think that that's going to be 
pretty shallow stuff. Her supporters would say, no, this, this is her trying to protect the, what she believes truly is the only realistic deal for Britain. She's not going to, we're not going to get a different deal at this stage, certainly not this, with this Prime Minister. Well, she's abandoned a vote that she said she wouldn't abandon to change a deal she insisted she couldn't change. What little credibility she had is now gone completely. And it's not just an issue for Westminster, it's an issue for Brussels too. And she goes back to Brussels. I mean, the newspapers at the weekend were talking about how Theresa May was going to do some sort of Margaret Thatcher-style handbagging and go over there and start demanding, as if she has, she barely has the credibility to storm into a takeaway and demand a chicken tikka at the moment. No, she hasn't got a strong negotiating hand over there. You've got, a, you have a prime minister who essentially has tr- who, who's built up her, her career on the basis that she was the prime minister, even though a cautious remain herself, was going to somehow get Brexit over the line. But what, of course, she can't do is satisfy either side. She's got Remainers on one side who'll cover their ears up still to the very idea of Brexit because they don't want to ha- it to happen. They want it essentially to collapse. And then she's got the other side, the hardline Brexiteers, who are never going to be satisfied with the sort of cautious deal that Theresa May is going to come up with. And she is wedged in the middle and, of course, has infuriated everybody. And that, of course, will result in a downfall in the end. Already Ireland's Prime Minister has said he won't agree to any significant changes. The EU aren't going to agree any significant changes to the backstop plan. Leaving aside the idiocy of of having three days of parliamentary debate, then abandoning it, having said that you wouldn't do that. Leave all that to one side. Just focus on the Brussels talks that are now coming in the next few days. We know from past experience with the European Union that what they do in this situation, where, they, where, where there's a, 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 an objection from a parliament or from a public vote, they make a few changes. They issue a clarification statement. So we'll get a few words added to the political declaration to the effect of, well, nobody here wants the Northern Ireland backstop to apply either. I mean, we all think it would be a ghastly mistake if that were to happen. And we're sure it won't happen because I'm sure that we'll be able to negotiate a, a nice, clear a simple deal that everybody's happy with that resolves all of the problems that we've so far found to be completely intractable. A magic solution will be delivered by a unicorn sometime in 2020 and we'll all be saved. And that will be signed off into the declaration. It will come back. It will have absolutely no legal weight whatsoever. The backstop will still be in the withdrawal agreement, which is the bit that is legally binding. And no one in Westminster will pay the blindest bit of notice to that and it won't change any vote. I think there's somehow a belief that the Prime Minister's clinging to that, yes, she will go back and might get something slightly adjusted and somehow people will see then past Christmas that there really is no other option, how much they dislike the present deal she's got. That's the only realistic way forward unless they want the Wild West option of a no deal. I do think that's what she truly believes. I think people's positions are so entrenched, I think that will just blow up in her face. In a way, she is going back to the Theresa May we saw at the very beginning of the Brexit process. You have to remember that at at every stage in this process, she has tried to keep the information to herself. She's kept it away from her cabinet, including Brexit secretaries. She's kept it away from MPs. She's kept it away from the public. She went all the way to the Supreme Court to try to stop MPs from having a say in this process. Every concession she has made has been dragged out of her. And even now, in in cancelling this vote, on grounds that the Speaker seems to view as slightly dubious, looking at the parliamentary rules, even now, she can't say 
when the vote's going to be. We, we get told, well, that depends on when the Prime Minister gets the assurances she needs to satisfy Parliament. Well, if that's the bar for having another vote, we're never having another vote because the EU won't do that. Parliament, I, I, I've long believed, will always they will always sort of you know, that will mark the end of Theresa May's reign as Prime Minister inevitably. It was always going to be this part of the year, the, the political year. When Theresa May brought this deal back to the House of Commons, it was always going to be brought down. And she may try again, say she may try and store things. She may try and hang out till the new year. She may try and bore people into submission by the hope that they will see this is the only realistic deal on the table. But Parliament will bring her down one way or the other. The thing that's changed after this is that instead of it being a few days before Theresa May is kicked out. It might be a few weeks, but she will be kicked out. They are going to get rid of her. That is going to happen. And I do not understand why she continues to cling on. She can't be enjoying it. I mean, if this genuinely is a sense of public duty, that really is worthy of praise, however tin-eared she may be. But she can't even still believe at this stage that this is in the national interest. I do think she believes she's acting in the national interest. You could say there's naivety, there's a sense of duty, there's never underestimate the arrogance of these people and the bubble they exist in as well. And I think it's a combination of all those things. Theresa May still probably believes that she is the best person for this job. However laughable that may be to her critics, I suspect when she goes to sleep at night, she still firmly believes that and she feels that she's been very wronged. Now, Jeremy Corbyn is consistently ready to pop up and tell us what we already know, that the Prime Minister's made a dreadful mess of the whole thing. But if you want to know what the leader of the opposition actually plans to do instead, he goes suddenly silent. Because if, Robert, as Jeremy Corbyn keeps saying, the government is not in control of events and its continuing in office is harmful to the national interest, then surely he has a responsibility, aside from anything else, to call a vote of no confidence and try and kick the government out? Well, his performance all the way through has been opportunistic and pretty lily-livered, really. You understand the dilemma he's in, in terms of his own uh, Labour support, being divided as the Tories are on Brexit. There's plenty of uh, Brexit supporters who are also Labour voters and he's, he's very wary of upsetting such people, hence this rather vague stroke hypocritical position he's adopted throughout. The Labour hierarchy have really, as I say, looked opportunistic throughout this chaotic process. Their priority always seems to have been really bringing back, bringing down a Tory government they despise, rather than their priority being, can we ensure the country leaves the European Union in the most healthy state possible and with the least damage? It always seems to be the priority that really it comes down to, we want a general election, we want to bring down this lame Tory government. I myself believe whatever colour your political allegiance is, I think they've behaved in a fairly unprincipled fairly cowardly, I keep on using the word opportunistic, but I'll use it again, way. It's been a fairly depressing state of affairs to watch the opposition behave in such a fashion as it's been depressing watching the Tory party tear themselves apart at a time of such national crisis. It just seems that Jeremy Corbyn and, and the other people around him don't actually want to be in a position where they have to answer the, the tough question, which is, well, what would you do if you're saying that the government's handling of Brexit is a disaster? If you're saying the policy they're following is bad for Britain, what's your alternative? They don't want to be boxed into a position where they actually 
actually finally have to make a choice between still backing Brexit or backing a referendum or backing no deal or something. They want to try and keep all their options open for as long as they can. But the problem is, if you are genuinely in the business of setting yourself up as a potential alternative government. And bear in mind, Labour people were knocking around at the weekend saying, look, you know, depending on what happens here, Jeremy Corbyn could be Prime Minister by the end of the week. Well, if you genuinely believe that, you do actually need to start acting like a government and setting out how you would govern. And the first thing in your intray will be Brexit. And people have a right to know what the opposition thinks about Brexit. If Jeremy Corbyn's planning to say, look, I'm not going back on the vote, people voted for Brexit, and I respect that, then he needs to just say that. He needs to stop dangling the idea that there might be a referendum. Well, you know, all options are open. At some stage, you actually have to decide which side of the fence you're going to come down on, particularly if you genuinely want to portray yourself as a government or prime minister in waiting. I think they've been shown up for uh, performing in a fairly small-time fashion, really. Look, we understand that the business of being Her Majesty's opposition, right? It's an opportunistic, cynical world where, yeah, successful oppositions over the years have made very broad promises to the electorate without too much detail. And it's and often it, it, it's in contrast to the government. You want to put a bit of clear water between yourselves and the current ruling party. We understand all that. That's the way the game is played. But this is not a normal time. This is not just uh, yeah, a couple of months before a general election where opposition's promise the world to an electorate in order to get elected. This is the biggest political crisis we've had since World War II. And yet Labour, the Labour Party are just behaving in, in a say, in an old fashioned you know, skullduggerous Westminster way of just of just really focusing on trying to put a mark on the on the opposing party. It's just far bigger than that. Jeremy Corbyn has come under pressure uh, from the leaders of other parties, the Lib Dems, the SNP, Plaid Cymru, you know, saying, look, if you if you call a, a vote of no confidence, we will support you in that. Now, their argument would be, if we call a no confidence vote, all of these Tories who had threatened to vote against the government on the Brexit deal will fall back into line, the DUP will fall back into line, and, and the vote will fail. Well, that's almost certainly true. And indeed, the vast majority of confidence votes are won by the government. But... What they do is they build up that narrative in the minds of the public that the government is just knackered and failing. And if the government's being dragged into the Commons for confidence votes, it, it does set in the public mind it's time for a change. The majority of the electorate right now, what are they concerned about? Well, they're like all of us, pretty confused and in, in, exasperated by the Brexit process. Also very concerned about what it means to them financially going forward. That's the, the current priority of people, be it natural Labour supporters, Tory supporters, Lib Dems, Greens, whatever. The majority of them just more concerned about what this process means to them and the country as a whole. So I think when it comes to this sort of idea of, of, of bringing down a government or confidence vote, people on the outside are thinking, what the hell are you doing? We're just expecting you as our elected representatives to govern and however imperfect and however nerve-wracking this may be, they're expecting them to use their authority and take responsibility to somehow steer us through such un uncharted territory. All this other stuff about is Jeremy Corbyn going to be Prime Minister or Boris Johnson going to be Prime Minister is a fairly trivial sideshow right now, to be honest. In many ways, I think the most 
most damning thing you can hear about Jeremy Corbyn. There was a piece in one Sunday paper that said that that on the issue of Brexit, he is basically disengaged from it. Most important political issue to confront this country, maybe since the Second World War, and the leader of the opposition is disengaged. It's a huge slight on him, of course it is. All the things you say about Theresa May, which I think are fair, that she's got that bunker mentality, she's not flexible, she just has that inner circle of people, that she's a terrible communicator, incapable of really seeing the broader picture, of, of, of seeing, accepting different points of view. All those things, all those weaknesses have, have of course been shown up in recent times, however dutiful and hardworking she may be. But on, on the flip side, Jeremy Corbyn looks like a man whenever, even when there's been a, a crisis inside his own party, he's always seems to have stepped back several miles rather than take any strong authoritarian position. Well, put Brexit in the mix. And as I say, I do not think the current Labour leader would come out smelling of roses at all. Now, look, the Prime Minister seems to be trying to delay this vote as long as possible, which can't delay it forever. And assuming that if she tinkers with the deal, it will end up being rejected, we still need to take a little time to think about the various alternatives that we've talked about uh, over the last few days. So we've dealt with renegotiation. We don't think the EU is probably going to offer very much. Um, one one thing that has gained ground is this idea of the Norway-style deal. Even Amber Rudd has said, you know, we could pivot to Norway, which sounds like a great tourist phrase. Pivot to Norway. Norway. Norway is basically EU membership in all but name. A free trade deal with the EU, but you have to accept freedom of movement. You have to accept all of the EU's rules and regulations, but you have absolutely no power or influence in how those rules are drawn up. So it would infuriate the Brexiteers even more than Theresa May's deal does. And also, there's no credible way it could happen with Theresa May still in charge, or indeed, if she were replaced by someone like Dominic Raab. I do wonder if there are the numbers in the House of Commons for that sort of deal to somehow cut the mustard and get us over the finish line. My instinct is that there might be. Again, that does not involve Theresa May being Prime Minister. She'll have had to have gone up in flames at that point. But when you look at the certainly the more moderate side of the Labour Party, mainly behind the Jeremy Corbyn benches, you look at the more Remain-friendly Tory side... I do. I think there's an argument to say that the, the, the Norway type deal might be one that we sort of see further down the line, but it won't be with, with Theresa May as prime minister. She's got too much stake in, in an alternative deal to that. And then you get Jeremy Corbyn's favour, the idea of a, of a general election, which as regards Brexit would be pointless for as long as Labour remains committed to broadly the same principles, leaving the EU, ending freedom of movement, as the Conservatives are. For as long as the Tories don't want to have an election, there isn't going to be an election. It's, it's going to be impossible to force one. When would we have a new government? Because unless the EU agrees to delay Brexit, to put a delay on Article 50, then how would you, from getting a new government in, say, mid to late January after an election, how would you achieve any significant change in the Brexit plan and get it through Parliament by the end of March? It seems utterly pointless to have a general election uh, right now. I'm, I, look, if, 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 people, if, if, if events take a turn that we end up having one later in the year, as much as... <laughs> Most of us could do without it, sure, accept it. But the, the, as we said, the priority now, of course, is the Brexit negotiations. I can't see how we would benefit. Imagine a scenario. We, we had a general election forced on us. 
Jeremy Corbyn is seen as the Messiah. He wins the general election. Exactly quite what is he going to do then in terms of a, a negotiation? Now, we've heard some, yeah, we say a very vague wish list of things. I suspect really that Jeremy Corbyn could well do without being put under under that sort of extraordinary political pressure in terms of renegotiating a Brexit deal with the EU. I do not think he'd be playing to his strengths at all. So I think it's more in his interests for a Brexit deal of some sort to be done and then further down the line, however further down the line, then fight a general election. I, I really think that he he could come unstuck if he thinks that he could, he could sort of sail over to Brussels and somehow deliver us from crisis right now. Then there's the second referendum. Now, more and more MPs are being won round to this idea, but there is still no majority, it seems, in favour of it. And we don't have answers to any of the questions that would be brought up by a second referendum. What would the question be? What would the options be? Some people have said there should be two questions. I mean, I know that if you're a Remainer, this this is a beautiful, tempting idea. It's a lovely dream to say, what if we could just have another referendum? And it could be like that season of Dallas where Bobby Ewing steps out of the shower and it was all a bad dream. Why can't it be like that? But aside from the fact that I don't see how it gets through Parliament, Aside from the fact that I don't know what the question would be, there is the other issue of the enormous damage it would do to public confidence in democracy to say to people, 73% of you can take part in a referendum and albeit on a narrow result can tell us what you want, but we don't like that result, so we're going to make you vote again. That's the argument that that Theresa May is relying on the argument that people who are who are sympathetic to Theresa May's Brexit deal, however imperfect, however infuriating in areas, that's that's the area that I think they are relying on. I think they, they, there, there is a sense that to go into the realms of a second referendum is so, so convoluted. The democratic implications are dodgy at best. That's why I think this this middle ground, however treacherous that Theresa May has ploughed through, that's why I think there's a lot of people still in the government, however, however difficult this position is, there's still a lot of people who believe that it's going to be this version of Brexit, something reasonably close to it, and it is going to be the one that prevails in the end, probably with a new prime minister, but, but will prevail all the same. And then the last of the options we hear talked about, of course, is no deal. Now, look, we've said before, if you don't think no deal will be catastrophic, you've really not been paying attention. But there's a new phrase in town this week, which is a managed no deal. People are emerging as leadership candidates who think that a managed no deal would be the best scenario. I mean, I don't know what managed no deal means. If you think you can manage a no deal Brexit, you can try and manage a no deal Brexit as much as you like. It's still going to be a disaster. That uh, negotiating position has been a pretty curious one from the start. When you, when you, when we originally heard from the likes of Boris Johnson, Jacob Rees-Mogg, they they obviously sold a very uh, attractive proposition to a lot of people of what uh, what Brexit would mean. But when it really came down to the nuts and bolts and the heat of negotiating battle, they very very quickly reverted to the no deal scenario because frankly it didn't really offer any other sort of convincing uh, detailed explanation alternative of how we could proceed it seems to be 
either there's Theresa May's, Theresa May's sort of deal or there's the infuriated Brexiteers saying, let's, let's light the whole thing up, let it all go up in flames. It's a no deal. They never seem to offer. I'd be fascinated to hear just exactly what they were offering, you know, away from that. It's, it's never been, as I say, a particularly clear narrative from them. So there we are. Look, the upside to what's happened in the last 24 hours is that we probably aren't going to spend the next two weeks having a massive debate about whether or not Theresa May is going to be forced from office today, whether she's going to be dragged screaming from Downing Street, her fingernails clinging to the door of number 10. We're probably able to just pivot, not to Norway, but to mince pies and Christmas trees just for a little while. And then we'll resume this horrendous, unending nightmare again in January. In a way, the Prime Minister is a victim, as we all are, of the fact that voters were given undeliverable promises two years ago and then politicians were told to deliver the undeliverable where is my unicorn the voters keep saying and you know what there is no unicorn and santa ain't bringing you one either so enjoy your mince pies enjoy your christmas tree because it still could be the last nice christmas you have We'll leave it there uh, for now with that cheery, festive and seasonal thought. Uh, do get in touch with us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. We're at Party Games Pod on all. I will try to keep you updated at Paul Osborne on Twitter, Robert likewise at R Meakin. Until next time, thanks to Robert. Thanks to you for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.